This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Beyond Zero is Toyota's vision of a carbon-neutral future and more. Toyota gives you the power to reduce carbon emissions and help move toward its vision with a wide selection of electrified vehicles. Whether you're into hybrid EVs for that traditional Toyota feel with better MPG, battery EVs for a smooth and silent ride, or plug-in hybrid EVs that switch between battery and fuel, Toyota has you covered. And for those who prefer hydrogen, Toyota's fuel cell EVs emit nothing but water vapor from the tailpipe. So cool. Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified vehicles slash beyond zero vision. Toyota, let's go places. One quart cream, one quart milk, one dozen tablespoons sugar, one pint brandy, one half pint rye whiskey, one half pint Jamaica rum, one fourth pint sherry. Mix liquor first, then separate yolks and whites of eggs, add sugar to beaten yolks, mix well, add milk and cream, slowly beating, beat whites of eggs until stiff and fold slowly into mixture. Let set in cool place for several days. Taste frequently. That is a recipe for eggnog by none other than George Washington. I only assumed that it was a James Bond villain's eggnog recipe from The Voice. Yeah, funny, funny story. Uh, all James Bond villains are based on George Washington. Okay. Uh, Accent-wise, uh-huh. hey, everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Ben. That's that famous Mount Vernon accent I've heard so much about, right? I'm Noel, and <laughs> yeah. this is Ridiculous History. We started off with, like, a really functional little nugget there. That was nice. Yeah, that's a that's a recipe that is is genuinely believed to be George Washington's eggnog recipe, but there's one very important missing part of this recipe. Did you catch it? No. He doesn't say how many eggs should be in there. Oh. 
And you'll see a lot of versions of this recipe wherein someone has assumed, like based on the ratio of other ingredients, okay. that it would be about a dozen eggs. But he didn't actually say that. What's, he, what's the batch? What's, what's the yield on this recipe? Well, I guess that's up to how much you like eggnog, man. I guess so. Doesn't the recipe typically... Uh... Include number of servings. Yeah, yeah, it was a very different time. This wasn't. This wasn't from Tasty, <laughs> right? This wasn't taste made. Epicurious, mm-hmm. no, or uh, Good Eats or anything. Yeah, what's well, funny? Uh, you should mention um, Washington's nog because uh, our coworker and pal Alex Williams, who composed our theme uh, around the holidays, he made a big old batch of Washington's nog mm-hmm. um, and distributed it around the office in these delightful little mason jars. Um, I was lucky enough to get my hands on one, and it packed quite a wallop. Because mm-hmm. a big thing leading up to doing this episode is how could you possibly get off your tits drunk on eggnog? Right, right. Because nowadays we typically associate eggnog as this very seasonally based cozy drink. Like you, you sip it by a fire. It's You're, a comfort drink. It's a comfort drink. It's like there a hug go. in drink form. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a slightly boozy uh, attaboy for you mm-hmm. around the holidays. Mm-hmm. But if you, as you could tell from the recipe we started the show with, uh, eggnog back in the day used to pack quite a punch. This was after uh, it evolved from a much older drink known as posset. Yeah, which was also known as a milk punch, which sounds disgusting. So bad. It's There's something in... And, and please, uh, listeners, friends, and neighbors, uh, say hello to our super producer, Casey Pegram. There's something that I heard of before that I've never tried, but I want to learn about. It was called milk salad. Does that not sound disgusting? Really bad. It makes me think of our Jello episode. <laughs> right. We got some great emails about that today. And this... This beginning, folks, may make you think that uh, my co-host and I are delving into the history of eggnog, and we we do just a little bit, but it's to set the scene for a ridiculous event, and we thought this would be the uh, yummiest, weirdest place to start. Yeah, well, first I just want to describe what posset is. We talked about milk punch and the precursor um, or the uh, the spiritual cousin that predates eggnog, uh, called posset, that was a hot milk punch uh, using curdled milk, and it was curdled with wine or beer. Or I guess you get curdles when you heat it. And then eventually it was thickened with eggs and kind of became more what we know today as traditional eggnog. But our story is really about uh, a riot involving drunken cadets. I'm going to go with uh, quote-unquote riot on this one, Noel. Really? Okay. At what at what threshold does a fracas or a brouhaha become a full on riot? That's true. I was going to open the show with a joke about how many eighteen hundreds uh, West Point cadets does it take to assault two officers and break all of the china? <laughs> and we know the answer. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So let's talk a little bit about West Point in general. Uh, West Point remains famous today. It is a storied institution here in the United States. It is named West Point because, in a stunning plot twist, it is located in West Point, New York. 
Yeah, it's about 50 miles outside of New York City, and storied it was. However, it didn't used to be the uh, model of discipline um, and steadfastness, fastidiousness that it is today. Uh, Because in the early days of the school, it was ridiculously easy to get in, in that they let anyone in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could, you could join any time during the, the year. And it was just kind of a loose grouping of ramshackled little huts. <laughs> um, and I think it was about 10 cadets that were taught by, I think, only three teachers. You know, but then a little thing called the War of 1812 mm-hmm. happened which was, you know, against Britain because the Brits were attempting to restrict trade uh, and they kept arresting American seamen, which is not cool, as -hmm. we know, and also inciting Indian attacks on the U.S. frontier. So that aggression would not stand, my friend. So we decided to go to war with the Brits, and that also led to a need for disciplined soldiers. Right, disciplined, professional, competent soldiers And there's a character here in the evolution of West Point that we must absolutely mention, if only because he has an awesome name. Yeah, it's like a Dumbledorean (laughs) awesome name. Sylvanus Thayer, ladies and gentlemen. uh, In 1817, then-President James Monroe ordered uh, Thayer to become the superintendent of the military academy after the resignation of the former superintendent, Alden Partridge, and under... Also a pretty cool name. Also a cool name. By his own right. Yeah, by his own right. Not not, uh, Harry Potter-esque, but cool nonetheless. And I accidentally rhymed. Under Thayer's leadership, the academy began to make incredibly impressive leaps and bounds in terms of discipline, in terms of quality of education. It became the nation's first college of engineering. Well, Thayer didn't take no guff, my friend. Um, He didn't put up with any horseplay shenanigans Mm -hmm. or buffoonery, um, especially when it pertained to consuming or um, even possessing alcohol of any kind. Right. Alcohol could not be possessed, sold, or brought into West Point at all. And this was just another part of his overall very strict regime. For instance, he kept the students on a diet of beef, bread, and water to accustom them to military rations. Their days were strictly controlled as far as the way their time was organized. And they had a lot of pressure on them. So imagine these students like springs that are increasingly compressed, storing up more energy and tension. Yeah, they weren't even allowed. These Some of these rules are, I don't understand. They yeah. weren't allowed to leave campus. I guess I can get that because if you leave campus, you can get booze. I guess that's, nipping, that's the n- nipping that in the bud. Um, also, they couldn't cook in their dorms or duel. Right, right. Those, those seem related. I made a note in the margins here in this uh, this article from the Smithsonian Eggnog. It's all fun and games until someone starts a holiday riot. That said, before Thayer, West Point sucked or was awesome, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's by Natasha Geeling. And yeah, the, <laughs> this article is very well written. And I, I noticed some of the same rules you're talking about here. And to me, the dueling one makes a lot of sense because you imagine – you know, they're in a homogenous population, mm. right? This was this was strictly segregated, but for the time, it's it started to become relatively progressive because it was important for kids from a lower 
income level, right, or a lower socioeconomic bracket to receive the same caliber of education if they were qualified for it. But with all the discipline in the harsh environment, I can easily imagine that if duels were allowed, these kids would be punching each other up and pulling cards left and right. Yeah, yeah. Fisticuffs and gun battles galore. Um, It's interesting uh, because even though alcohol was forbidden at West Point, it was surrounded by normal things that you have in towns like like pubs. And there were a couple. There was one called Benny Haven and then another one called North's Tavern. And those will come into play in a little bit. But Benny Haven um, is also known for being the main hangout for Edgar Allan Poe when he attended West Point. Um, admittedly, not for a very long time because he <laughs> right. you know, mainly just hung out and got sloshed the whole time. That's the story. Uh, but there was a history of getting sloshed at West Point before our pal Thayer came in. In the days before his iron-fisted grip tightened around these cadets and tried to whip those boys into shape, they had a yearly kind of revelry mm-hmm. kind of thing going on around the holidays, didn't they? Right. This is important. It may seem strange today, but in the past, in those days, heavy drinking was, or drinking in general, was more common. It was something that was normal for people to do. You'll also hear some uh, stories about early founding fathers uh, and influential historical figures being several mattress factory amounts of sheets to the wind. And, uh, We're establishing this because when Thayer came in, he wasn't creating out of whole cloth this strict set of rules. He was reacting to what he saw as laxity in the past, and people, students, officers alike, were well aware of the previous traditions. Oh, and you mentioned uh, historical figures and founding fathers. One, a couple that are part of the story are our boy Jeff Davis, Mm -hmm. Jefferson for long, and uh, uh, Robert E. Lee right. were both involved in this tale of debauchery and chastisement. Yes. Okay, so here's, here's how it happens. Uh, up until 1825, cadets, uh, alcohol was still banned, but there were two days a year that they could drink. Uh, that was the 4th of July. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. Go U.S., right? Live it up. And then, of course, Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then... This changed because on the 4th of July in 1825, a a bunch of cadets drinking uh, led to a snake dance, which led to the hoisting of the school's commandant onto the student's shoulders. And Thayer said, you know what? This is too much. A snake dance? Snake dance. Like, is that some kind of... Is it a conga line? Yeah. Or is it a bunch of people just sort of slithering up and down? They didn't like it because it just wasn't uh, uh, dignified? You know, it makes me think of, uh, remember when we did the episode about the Poison Squad? Mm-hmm. When uh, Wiley got uh, booted from his professorship for riding a bike? Oh. So maybe it was just the idea that this was such a lack of discipline for I them see. to put someone on their shoulders. Yeah that he said no alcohol ever. Well, yeah, I, I did say he was he, he was not fond of horsing around. That sounds like the very definition of horsing around, sna- <laughs> snaking around. There we go. So, Ben, just want to get this straight. So yeah. he still allowed this revelry uh, at first and then shut it down after one of these went awry by his standards? Yeah, 1826 onward, no alcohol, not once, never. Not a drop. 
Was he a teetotaler, do you think? Or do you think he would get in his cups privately? He seems like a pretty straight shooter. He seems like a straight shooter, but, you know, you have to wonder if he applied those same rules to himself. Do as I say, not as I get hammered. Right, right, right. Uh, Drink as I say, not as I drink. And, you know, I love that you mention these taverns because they didn't magically disappear. Oh, no. After 1826. And Benny Haven is the really interesting one there because of those two taverns we mentioned earlier, Benny Haven was the only one that allowed a barter system for the students. Oh, I know. This is really interesting. <laughs> so they could, like, trade shoes and, and pantaloons and, you know, uh, maybe potatoes. Who knows? Anything, I guess, was, was on the table except if it came from the school. Right. No uniforms. No, because that would be... That would be stealing, and they do not want to get on the bad side of Colonel Thayer. No, sir, mm. they do not. Right, right. and uh, Sounds like a tough customer, that Colonel Thayer. Uh, yeah, people took him seriously. But you also have to wonder, would you barter stuff for booze? Yes. You would? If I didn't have any pocket money. If you didn't have uh, 35 cents on hand, which will come into play later. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't barter away my, the clothes on my back. But if I had something of value that I could part with and I wanted a nice stiff drink, Mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to that. So when does... Are you judging me? Are you silently judging me, Ben? No, 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 no. I'm I'm, I'm, uh, judging myself. Okay, fair enough. Me too. (laughs) uh, No, Ben, you're great. You know what? Together, we're a solid 8 out of 10. And, uh, you know, we can never compare to Casey Pegram, which is not, not a bad thing. Well, none can. Few can. Few, very few. Between the two of us, we, we practically make a whole person. <laughs> We're getting there for sure. Uh, so, Noel, this situation is unsustainable to the students, right? To the yeah. cadets? The aforementioned uh, winding spring, ready to pop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many 
different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. So this all comes to a head when Christmas Eve of 1826 rolls around again that's one of the two days the cadets are allowed to drink to imbibe and this is the first time they can't and you know no one likes it when you tell them they can't do something sure don't tell me what i can't do ben yeah don't tell me what i can't do i will automatically go do it yeah Reverse psychology is real it's dangerous and people know it works yeah but clearly fair that was not his style he was much more of a prohibitor mm-hmm. than a uh, than a mind manipulator a mind wrangler <laughs> yeah exactly um so you know these cadets on christmas eve of 1826 about 70 of them as it turns out which i think was somewhere in the neighborhood of a third of the uh, student body of of uh, west point um decided to hatch a little plot where they were going to go against old colonel thayer's wishes and get themselves some boozy eggnog Right. So they decided that they would go off campus and go to the place they knew that was going to be the friendliest tavern, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was, of course, Benny Haven. Benny Haven. Maybe they brought some some extra pairs of socks with which to barter. However, Benny Haven proved, without us remarking on the socks mm. or the pantaloons or whatever mm. they brought with them. Doesn't matter. Right. Benny Haven's was too expensive. Too steep. Yeah, they could buy a little bit of liquor, but not as much as they wanted. So they had to go to plan B. They wanted to get ripping drunk. Oh, we should call it plan H. I like it. Because why? Because they crossed the Hudson River. Oh, exactly. That's a very, very good foreshadowing there, Ben. So yes, they did, in fact, cross the Hudson River. I imagine on some sort of sloop, uh, perhaps a a barge, some sort of, uh, maybe surely they had vessels at their disposal, right? It's a military academy. What do you think? What do you picture them crossing on? One would imagine they wouldn't swim because of the weather. Yeah, it'd be so, cold. So they were probably on, you know, a small boat or something. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. they just rowed across. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm just trying to set the scene is all, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is under the cover of night, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, they go over to the pub we mentioned briefly earlier, the tavern, I guess. Uh, North's Tavern, where they made a deal with the uh, the bartender, the barkeep, and they procured... Uh, in the neighborhood of three or four gallons of whiskey. Yeah, yeah. They, they want to do it. Yeah, they've got uh, they got gallons of whiskey. And while they were there, they had uh, the historical quote we found is a few glasses themselves. Ah, 
Now, this, I think, leads into the— One for the chef. Right. Leads to the domino domino effect we'll see later because uh, the size of those glasses as we record this, uh, that size is lost to history. So we have no idea how large these glasses were. But anyway, uh, the cadets knocked back a few. They went back to the dock, and they found a soldier who was standing guard— but they said, you know what, man, turn a blind eye, which wasn't unusual, right? Mm. Uh, and he said, what price do you expect me to put on my morals? This conversation is inspired by a true story, I should say. Uh, and they, uh, they named a price. And he accepted. And what was that price? Uh, it was 35 cents. It was 35 cents. Do you want to pu- plug that into your handy-dandy inflation calculator, Ben? You're, you're going to find this hilarious. And listeners, I I hope you enjoy this too. In 1826, 35 cents was the equivalent of, Casey, can we get a drum roll, please? $8.09. Okay, so, (laughs) uh, yeah, his cheap, cheap, cheap morals. $8.09. Wow. I mean, that's bizarre. I can't imagine a bribe that would work at that price level. Yeah. No, I I can't either. Um, I would have at least asked for some of that whiskey. Right? Maybe he did. Surely they plied him with with booze. Let's editorialize here. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. No one's going to take 850 without a little, without a couple of shots first, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, we go back to we go back to Colonel Thayer, and sure, he was a bit draconian, but that doesn't make him a dunderhead. It doesn't make him stupid. No, 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 no. He was clearly a, a pretty savvy fellow. Mm-hmm. And he knew that cadets had smuggled alcohol into the academy before. In fact, one of our characters in here has a history that we'll get to in a bit. Uh, but he had always, and, and the, the staff and officer structure of West Point had always dealt with these on a case-by-case basis. So he assumed, reasonably so, that there would be at least one bad, or should we say one drunk apple, mm-hmm. ooh, one fermented apple like in the it. bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had talked about it with some of the staff and the fellow officers, but he just took the regular precautions. Was it like two two guards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock and Lieutenant William A. Thornton, they were to monitor the North Barracks. Old Hitchcock and Thornton. They have, uh, <laughs> they're, they're about to have, have some fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they go to bed. They knock off around midnight, right? Yep, that's right. Um, at which point uh, the boys um, who set off, who sallied forth for the North, mm-hmm. huh? The tavern yeah, uh, are now back in their respective dorms. Um, I guess they they snuck into the kitchen and made the nog. <laughs> Speaking of which, what what part of the egg is the nog, Ben? That's that's the question I think everyone wants to know. Well, that's a good question. Um, let's see. Is there an answer? There is. I was being a little coy, so it, no one knows exactly, and it's certainly a bit of a turn of phrase. There is no nog. To the egg, it's not. It's not a part of the egg. I think you all probably already knew that. Um, but it turns out that the word "nog" um, was an old English slang for a very stiff beer. Oh, 
okay. Yeah, and you've also heard like grog, right? Sure. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that there's there's some relation there. And then the another one is uh, that the idea that um, these wooden mugs that you could find in taverns all across the land uh, were called noggins. Oh. And so uh, apparently, and this is from an article on a, a delightful blog called Sustainable Table mm-hmm. about the history of eggnog, uh, and they conjecture that uh, when you combine noggin with egg, mm-hmm. you get eggnog. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. There's there a, a little aside. That's solid. Oh, but we should also add uh, that the three cadets who went across the Hudson uh, were not alone in their endeavor. This was a group effort. Uh, according to the eggnog riot uh, on Laughlin's Quarterly by Michelle Legro, they were joined with conspirators, colluders. You see another group brought a gallon of brandy and a gallon of wine. And another one, get this phrase, Noel, organized a gallon of liquor on credit. And then someone else bought the eggs, the milk, and the nutmeg. So they had all the ingredients assembled together, and they got wasted. They got so wasted that four hours after midnight, the two officers we mentioned, Thornton and Hitchcock, woke up with a very, uh, we're a family show, so let's call it a a very OMG WTF reaction. Yeah, it was a a clamor, (laughs) um, a hubbub. There arose such a clamor, yes. Yeah, indeed, Uh, but it was not jolly old St. Nick. No, it was a bunch of unruly, drunken military school cadets. Which has just got to be the the worst. Uh, They were, well, let me, let me correct here. Uh, so after the officers went to bed, they started drinking, the mm-hmm. cadets. And then you'll hear either around 2 a.m. or 4 a.m., the feather of drunken noise uh, broke the proverbial camel of silence's back. We all know the sound. If you've lived next door to a frat house or anything, if you've ever sure. you know, had any kind of unruly neighbors that are having a party when you're trying to sleep, mm-hmm. it's a very specific sound. Sounds totally different when you yourself are drunk. Sounds delightful. Oh, yeah. Sounds just like the sound of fun. Sounds merry, you know. But when you're, when you're trying to sleep, sure, it's an instant, instant enrager. So they were making merry uh, around 2 a.m. Uh, Jefferson Davis and eight other cadets started singing very loudly. Another student tried to do the 1826 version of, shh, you guys, come on. Come on. Shh, be Jeez. cool. And uh, by 4 a.m., the sound's blasting through the floorboards, and that triggers the investigation. Did we talk about Jeff Davis? Jeffy? We should talk about Jeff Davis because we just mentioned him as leading the singing. He was uh, <laughs> he was one of those kids with a past. Absolutely. And a future. He went on to become the president of the— uh, uh, U.S. Confederacy. Yep, yeah. that's the one. Um, but he was uh, what you might describe as an incorrigible drunk. Yeah, yeah, he had a history of being censured for leaving his post to drink at the bar. In fact, he racked up an arrest. He did. He got arrested. Uh, I think he was the first student to be arrested for sneaking away to go to Benny Haven. And not long before the the, the eggnog riot that we're talking about, he um, was with some pals sneaking, and he fell into a pit. And his pals cried out, "Are you alive?" And and thankfully, yeah, he 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 was he was alive. Mm-hmm. But he you know you don't know man, a ravine, right? Good lord, he could have hit his head on a rock. 
and that's 60 feet, so that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. So this guy, when they're when they're organizing this secret Christmas party, Jefferson Davis is one of the top picks. He's like a veteran of this sort of thing. Yeah, he was totally on board. Um, and our heroes, uh, for all intents and purposes, yeah, heroes or buzzkills. Depends on what, what side of, of this. I, I'm annoyed at the cadets, to be honest. That's where sure. I stand. Yeah, yeah. I think they're being a little disrespectful. You I know? feel you, but it's Christmas Eve, man. <sighs> no, it's not. It's Christmas. Oh, yeah, now it's officially Christmas. Okay, even more. It's Christmas Day. Have a little charity. Where's my, yeah. Okay, so, but I'm just saying, like, I've been around drunk people when I'm sober and trying to sleep enough that I I am feeling these two guards' perspective here pretty hard. So one of them, Hitchcock, leaps out of bed with a start um, and finds a handful of of the boys, six uh, or seven of them, visibly sloshed, Mm -hmm. and he... He, I love the way this article puts it, uh, the uh, the Smithsonian article. He ordered them to disperse. Right, right, and, right. And they, they refused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they refused to disperse. And it sounds so formal at this point. You know, it sounds as though uh, they had a, uh, a decision-making process, but that's it was it had to be more sloppy and more emotionally charged. Uh, he thought it was just that one room at first, but it turns out it wasn't. Oh no, no it wasn't. He then uh went into another room and he was actually followed by our boy Jeff Davis who tried to give his compatriots uh the heads up by shouting, "Put away the grog, boys. Old Hitch is coming." Old Hitchcock, uh, you know, but of course he was already there. He was literally he was there. Like right behind him or, or right in front of him. So, you know, he, he looked like a chump. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Hitchcock ordered Jeffy to disperse, and he agreed. Yeah. Which is probably the one thing that saved him from getting court-martialed and expelled. Um, so, you know, we can thank Hitchcock and his uh, kind-hearted nature for, you know, Jefferson Davis's uh, future in politics. Yeah, no one knew what was going to happen at the yeah, time. exactly. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. 
<laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. So uh, Davis is arrested. Others are arrested, uh, ordered uh, to their rooms. And this is, this is weird because we asked at the top of the show what constitutes a riot. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Hitchcock read the group the Riot Act, which declared any group of 12 or more unlawfully assembled. Wait, that's a real thing? The Riot Act? <laughs> that's, what, that's how they have it here, yeah. So when you say when you're reading someone the Riot Act, that's literally like you're telling them their rights? Yeah, the original Riot Act, again, real thing, was passed back in 1714 in Britain, and it essentially ruled that if a group of a dozen or more people got together and started acting unruly, an officer of the law could approach them and tell them to disperse. But to do so, they literally had to read the Riot Act. So the cadets are really PO'd right now because they had this one party. In their minds, it's one of two nights they can let loose the entire year. Yeah, because we can't forget that it's, it's, you know, it's hard to come in and like just change things overnight. Like if they're used to having these parties and then you've got this 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 killjoy Thayer coming in and denying them their two nights of of revelry a year. Mm-hmm. That's that's that stings a little. You know, this was very fresh for them. So mm-hmm. here's where I start to lose sympathy for the cadets. Yeah. So after now they're angry at Hitchcock for uh, ruining the soiree. Right. Right. They get together. Uh, they decide to hunt the captain down. Uh, They decide that vengeance is theirs. And we have a great quote for how that segment of the night began. Yeah, Hitchcock took off. And then um, one of the uh, drunken cadets screamed, get your dirks and bayonets and pistols if you have them before the night is over. Hitchcock will be dead. So that's, you know, that's a threat of bodily harm to a superior officer. That's probably not not going to fly, right? Right, right, right. So there's a book written uh, by James B. Agnew called The Eggnog Riot, The Christmas Mutiny at West Point. 
maybe mutiny is a little better word, but again, he did read the riot act. So, so this book gives a minute by minute treatment account or, uh, estimation about how things went down. And from that point, so let's say it's around 4 AM over the next two hours, there was a cat and mouse game between the drunk students, the faculty of West point and the sober students, you know, the nerds mm-hmm. <laughs> who, yeah. who woke up uh, to side with the faculty against their fellow cadets. Yeah, and the, the other guy, Thornton, the other guard, he was had a sword brandished in his face. He got brained with a piece of wood, got knocked on his butt. And I think Hitchcock was trying to break into a door that had been like barricaded, mm-hmm. and someone sh- took a shot at him from the other side of the door. Yeah. With a pistol. I mean, this is, I think Riot is absolutely fair. Right. And just to go back a second to establish how drunk these cadets were, when Hitchcock originally busted them, several of them, Noel, tried to hide under blankets. Like, mm-hmm. while he's there, like, if I just hide under this blanket, yeah. no one will see me. Right. I think some of them took their hats and covered their faces. Uh-huh. Like, you think that's going to work? Like, <laughs> right, right, like, right. Like, what's, what's going on? So this is where they start doing incredible physical damage, not just threatening the officers, but damaging the property as well, breaking windows, uh, ripping banisters off of staircases. Yeah, just like shredding the curtains, whatever they could get their hands on. I mean, it was a melee. Um, And so uh, Hitchcock and Thornton decided they'd better call in the cavalry. Uh, And it was these guys called the bombardiers um, who were the guards that always kind of stood watch to make sure. It's sort of like internal affairs for cops, you know? It's like nobody (laughs) likes internal affairs if you're a cop because they're like, it's like a snitch. Mm -hmm. So the cadets did not care for the bombardiers. uh, And once they got called, in, um, things just got even even nastier. Right, because the cadets hated these artillerymen, and they thought Hitchcock summoning them was this, quote, affront to their integrity. And if you read between the lines of history here, it sounds like they were just sloshed enough that they were we're going to get angry about anything. Well, they were obviously having delusions of grandeur, too. It's like, <laughs> who the hell do they think they are? You they, know? They were trained in warfare. Well, I'm just saying, like, they're students at this school. Mm-hmm. These are their commanding officers. There is a, mil- you know, two nights of partying a year or no, there is a military structure in place here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, this is, this just seems like a, you know, a mass hysteria kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as things went further off the rails, it turned out that the bombardiers or these artillerymen never actually showed up and slowly— Painfully, I would imagine, these cadets began to sober up, Mm -hmm. but not successfully, not in enough time to be up at their scheduled hour, which was Uh, 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Oof. Oof. Oof on a regular day. They they would. Exactly. They were probably not feeling super well. And uh, finally, um, a man who is the commandant of cadets. Sounds like a really intense name, sort of like the king of cartoons from Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, there we go. The commandant of cadets. Um, he struck enough fear into the hearts of these boys that they, they, they chilled out. They stopped breaking stuff. They were probably also getting tired. Yeah. So, and pukey. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson Davis, according to the accounts, uh, had missed the bulk of the night's events because instead of resisting arrest when he was put under his arrest— He uh, stumbled to his room, threw up a little bit, and passed out. Mm -hmm. So that actually 
turned out well for him because he wasn't party to a lot of the more violent events. In his memoirs, he would later claim that he didn't name names or, you know, snitch on other people, essentially. Right. Yeah. But the records show he indicated that his roommate was involved in the conflict uh, when the cadet returned to their dorm, waking Davis up as he loaded his gun. So his roommate was the one who fired the shot. Yeesh. Not a good look. So Thayer was, you know, rightfully pretty upset. Oh, yeah. And he, he gathered a uh, all of his staff for an inquiry um, on the next night. And then over the following weeks, they placed 22 cadets on restriction, and then they started to uh, develop a an investigation, a court of inquiry, uh, and that was issued by Major General Alexander McComb, who is the chief engineer of the Army and inspector of the academy. Uh, and this is actually from an article on the U.S. Army's website oh, regarding yeah, yeah. the eggnog riot, and they have access to There's apparently a whole lot of... Uh, ink that was spilled over this thing in terms of internal records. Because this is a big deal, right? Oh, yeah, of course. This is a huge deal. This is a premier institution. And uh, we have the names of the cadets that we can list off. I'm going to do it very quickly. Yep. Uh, the cadets were Ainsquith, Berrien, Bomford, Burnley, Farrelly, Fitzgerald, Guard, Guyon, Humphreys, Johnson, Lewis, Mercer, Murdoch, Norvell, Roberts, Scriven, Stocker, Swords, and Thompson. They all stood trial and... Uh, other cadets, including Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee, testified for the defense. Eleven of that group uh, were dismissed and the remainder were allowed to stay, although three of them, Guard, Murdoch, and Norvell, chose to leave the academy anyway. You can't fire me. I quit. Indeed. And, you know, and you might think there were way more people involved in this than went down for it, right? Yeah. But you got to think this was like a third of the population of the school. And he was just getting things moved away from the old ways, the old debaucherous ways of, of West Point. That sounds funny. Um, getting things on track for his government. Uh, he, you know, he'd been given some attaboys and he, he didn't want to lose everybody. He just wanted like the main aggressors to take the fall and have it be a teachable moment, which I can appreciate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tough but fair. And so the riot included, as uh, Noel, I believe you pointed out earlier, uh, nearly one-third of West Point students, and it changed the, changed the approach in the face of the academy for decades to come. But West Point's command historian, Sherman Fleek— <laughs> That name is on fleek. It is. It is literally on fleek— uh, famously was incorrect when he said, Hardly anyone knows about it. If pooled among 4,400 cadets, I don't know why I think he talks like this, um, 3,000 federal employees, 1,500 military staff and faculty, I doubt 30 people will know a thing about it. This guy's not even old-timey. He's in our current day and age. <laughs> doesn't matter. I just, why would I not do a voice? Right, but uh, way more than 30 people know about this, and... Uh, you know, more than 30 people should. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think uh, nowadays eggnog um, is maybe remembered less as the source of uh, drunken, riotous revelry at West Point and more of a non-alcoholic kind of holiday drink. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, my kid likes eggnog. They have eggnog milkshakes at Sonic and, you know, eggnog frappuccinos. Yeah, at Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah, and eggnog is certainly not associated with 
crazy college parties gone wrong. That's more of a Jaeger bomb thing. That's true. My whole thing with eggnog is it's got so much sugar and milk and cream in it. Mm. It just seems like it would make you sick before you'd get drunk enough. It feels like a Lebowski drink to me. Just drink the whiskey, man. Yeah. Just drink the whiskey. <laughs> just is that is that our PSA? Is that our moral for this <laughs> sure. for today's episode? Why not? Just drink the whiskey and the rum and the wine. <laughs> Whatever you got. <laughs> uh, we are going to wrap it up. Uh, we would like to hear from you. Does this change the way you feel about West Point? <laughs> I don't know why we're going we're going with that question. Uh, we want to hear about your experience with eggnog. Do you have your own eggnog recipe? Because huh? a lot of people do. You know, our composer Alex Williams, as as you said, uh, modeled his after George Washington, but he had to figure out the amount of eggs himself. Yeah, exactly. And why not make a batch of your own George Washington eggnog and, and send us a note and let us know how you liked it. It's ridiculous at HowStuffWorks.com. You can also write us on the Facebooks um, where we are Ridiculous History. And we have a, a, a nifty new Facebook group called The Ridiculous Historians. Where you can find your fellow listeners hipping each other to ridiculous stories throughout the span of human civilization. You can also find us two jokers on there as well. Yeah, we lurk. Yeah, we, we lurk. We Hey, we comment as well. And uh, we do also look to this page for inspiration for future topics. So thanks to everyone who's already made so many excellent suggestions. You can also find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. Oh, gosh, that's right. We even have a website, Noel. Did you know that? I did know that. Isn't it RidiculousHistoryShow.com? Spot on, my friend. That's where you can find every episode that we have ever done so check it out and let us know what you would like to hear next we've been getting some fantastic emails and we uh, it always makes our day to read them and as always we want to thank our uh, super producer and eggnog enthusiast wait let me check casey no Okay, our super producer, Casey Pegram, who is not a fan of eggnog. No, not, not, not a nog guy. Mm-hmm. I think Casey would probably agree with me in saying, just drink the whiskey, man. Just drink the whiskey. <laughs> and we want to thank uh, Lori L. Dove, our regular <laughs> contributor, for her excellent article on how stuff works. And uh, I guess most importantly, other than thanking you, Ben. Oh, thank you, Noel. Let me do this every time. I don't know. You know, let's not force it. Let's just let it happen. Okay. I'm open to that. Uh, we'd like to thank you, folks, for listening to the show. And we hope you'll join us for our next episode where we talk about weird people who built weird stuff. That is literally going to be the title. Yep. See you then. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. 
True story, the intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.